want the Shanti Deva chant that's in the beginning of the Breadloaf uh, Zen Communities chant book. I'd like to ask you all, stay on mute, but please chant along with me. Guide for travelers on the way. May I be a protector to those without protection. A guide for all travelers on the way. A boat, a bridge, a passage for those desiring a better shore. May I be an island for those who seek one and a lamp for those desiring light. May I be a bed for all who wish to rest and of service to all who want assistance. May I be the doctor and the medicine and may I be the nurse and until their suffering passes away, may I always support the lives of all the boundless creatures unto the ends of space and time. Having chanted a guide for the travelers on the way, we dedicate the merit to the safe passage of all who have died from COVID-19 and those who have died from violence, climate or spiritual injustice, racial, economic, environmental inequity, and also for Wendy Palmer, Michael Friedman, Joan Larkey, Bob Kubik, David Crosby, and and for the well-being of all who are ill with COVID-19 and suffering from violence and racial, economic, environmental, climate, or spiritual injustice and also for Kathy Stamatis, Lauren Bro, Andrea Jacoby, Kathleen Martin, Louise Smith, Carol Schroeder, Laura Stillman, Julie Freiberg, Jonah Reisman, Joanna Macy, John Sherling, Damar Hamlin, and May they, together with all beings, find peace and healing through Buddha's way. All Buddhas, ten directions, three times. All honored ones, bodhisattvas, mahasattvas, wisdom beyond wisdom. Jane, I'm going to spotlight you for our talk. We're so happy to see you. Um, it is always our pleasure 
to hear what Jane has to say. I'm happy to be here. Let me just make sure I can find you here on my, there we go. There you go. Lots has changed for Jane since last time she spoke with us. We're very happy you're here. Thank you so much. Good to see all these familiar faces again. So Jean asked me to think about and talk about our Shanti Deva book, The Way of the Bodhisattva. And it took me back to January 9th. Does anybody remember January 9th? For me, it was 2.30 in the morning. And the next storm had begun, first with wind, which awakens me, followed by wind-blown rain that gets me out of bed with a flashlight and has me back into my rubber boots and Jim's big rain slicker and out into the pulpy, sloshy night to see where water is pooling and whether it has breached the crawl space. My answer comes when the sump pump, with the sump pump grumbling into life. I dress the cord and hose appendages of the patio pump so it can sit where the water is now deepest, funnel off as much rain as possible before it can find the sump pump. I readjust those visqueen along the deck and the 10 sandbags that the city of Oakland provided. Back inside, dried off again, I'm wide awake, holding my breath, realizing how weather brings me up close to the ways of the real world, nature's wild and feral face. I feel how this weather tries my patience because I can't change it, because I have no control, because with the rain, I imagine all manner of future events that the rain might bring landslides, falling trees, a flooded and unlivable house. How ironic I think that we are studying Shanti Davis' chapter on patience. I open up the guide to Bodhisattva's way to find number 21. Suffering also has its worth. Through sorrows, pride is driven out and pity felt for those who wander in samsara. Reading this through a couple of times, I am able to just begin to dimly imagine what it might be to be alone at night in a storm and also unhoused. I'm reminded that, yes, others also have suffering many, much, much more than mine. There are others out there tonight living inside this storm. I realize my frustration comes from my temporary loss of comfort, of being in the rain, of worrying about a tomorrow that might not come the way I'm imagining it. The rain and the wind continue. I find that the door of my reactions has also been blown wide open by this weather. Given the worry of this storm, and given that it's the middle of the night, all that the past day brought to my life appears bigger and scarier now. Like a scurry of rat's feet as the flood invades the burrow, my mind scrabbles from one daily care to the next. The confirmed loss of a friendship yesterday that I had hoped might have a chance of healing. 
the repeating realization of the long-term efforts on my family of secret keeping. Ty's voice returning to remind me that I too have felt how sometimes anger and my lack of patience doesn't reveal itself to me until I see the lingering effects of decisions I have made in anger. The shared sorrow of a dear friend who was just learning she wasn't able to save her daughter from horrific pain. My own shocking response to my son last night as I felt my boundaries breached and my anger surging through me like a jolt. And how in my anger, coupled with my grief just now, I hear myself calling out, where are you, Jim? I don't know how to stop this flood. Why aren't you here? The guide to the Bodhisattva way still lays open on my lap. My eyes fall on number 14. There's nothing that does not grow light through habit and familiarity. Putting up with little cares, I'll train myself to bear with great adversity. Ah, I think this is what Norman means when he says practice is more than sitting. Practice is daily life. But how to train in practice? What does Shante Deva mean when he says, put up with little cares? Isn't patience something more than waiting? Something more than simply focusing on what's good? or emphasizing the bright side? How could I learn patience, for example, from my experience yesterday of hearing that my friend no no longer wants to maintain a friendship with me? Where does my experience of loss and anger fit? Would patience be accepting her action as truth? Would patience be realizing that I can't know her reasons for her choice? Would patience include acknowledging that I still value her as a person? There's still a missing piece for me. The rain continues. I check the patio pump by flashlight through the window. Below me in the crawl space, the sump pump grinds and spews in rhythm to my stomach, churning with worry for my house. I try writing. Perhaps if I write about patience, I'll call it to me. But then I put on a podcast from Norman, use the breath to anchor awareness, he says. I stop writing, slow my breathing, feel the breath move to my belly, sit in meditation posture as I continue to listen It is easier, I realize, to hear the rain while listening to the podcast and sitting. Now the podcast is one of Norman's Hangzhou talks. Spacious and content. That is the self not possessed by emotions, he says. The self not possessed. As in emotions enter and I don't claim them, I don't hold them. I don't attach them to me or think of them as mine. 
Now it's four o'clock, wind again. I turn the porch light on. The wind is driving the rain in horizontal streaks outside my window, as if the house has been turned on its side and the ground is at tangent to the sky. Then suddenly a burst of wind, a crash. I'm out the door in my pajamas to find a five foot garden gate blown off its hinges, landed on and destroyed my housemate's patio couch. Somebody could have been killed by that gate. I scream with righteous anger into the wind. I'm being pulled now into the gullet of this storm. The wet and wind are slapping so hard it feels like I'm being swallowed. I fight against it to move the patio pump to a different growing pond of mud and muck. When I'm finally back inside again, smacked awake, totally in my body, chattering, Stumbling back into dry pajamas, I grab the heating pad and hold it till the shivering in me settles into a distant buzz. And then I'm realizing I'm energized. As if I had just completed an Aikido set. Somehow my body seems to have absorbed the energy of the storm. It comes to me, perhaps training in patience is experiencing the energy within my emotions born of connections to others and the suffering and anger they can bring. Like weather, as Greg said Wednesday night, I realize that these emotions are happening because I am alive. Now I'm remembering my breakout group a couple weeks ago, how we talked about the physical flow from a sense of collectedness to that heightened reaction. That is the actual feeling of a negative reaction manifesting and taking a hold of my body. One person likened that feeling to water being fast frozen into ice. We all wondered if it would be possible to notice that instantaneous constriction in the body quickly enough to be aware of the breath, to introduce a pause, to slow the flow of the reaction. Now I'm remembering sitting in meditation several weeks ago and Kathy's voice saying, let the body fall, let the breath rise. I try that for several minutes. It's not that the fear and anger and grief are gone, but something does shift. Patience has a quiet outer, as Emily Dickinson tells us. Look within, she says. Patience is the smile's exertion through the quivering. Yes. Patience is not passive. Patience is not waiting. Patience is active. It's both and. Facing what is and trusting that what is will not destroy my joy. There is a turning in me. Like the turning in each of Shante Deva's verses. Like the turning in every Zen story when one experiences awakening because they are suddenly aware that they are alive and everything around them 
is alive. Could this awareness of being alive be the seed that suffering carries? Could it be the wisdom that is the pulsing heart of true patience? Now it's five o'clock. The rain has become a soft and distant tick, tick, tick. I listen for the sump pump. Its cycle has slowed and even the dark is the deep, soft dark of winter just before the dawn, almost tender. I want to sleep, I long to sleep. My heart is slowing like a child having worn themselves out by crying. The hurt, the fear, the anger, the puzzlement have worked their pathways through me and are quiet hummings now. Now it is just the relief of tears that fall without a reason. I reach for poetry, my usual restorative. The thing is, by Ellen Bass, the thing is to love life, to love it even when you don't have the stomach for it. And everything you've held dear crumbles like burnt paper in your hands. Your throat fills with the silt of it. And then grief sits with you, its tropical heat thickening the air, heavy as water, more fit for gills than lungs. Your grief weights you down like your own flesh. Only more of it, an obesity of grief. And you think, how can a body withstand this? Then you hold your life like a face between your palms. A plain face. No charming smile, no violet eyes. And you say, yes. I will take you again. I will love you. So thank you, Jane. You're very welcome. Thank you. That was beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad it's not raining anymore. Sun. <laughs> you have a question for us? I well, I have a couple of questions. I think you maybe could pick what you want. Um, one of them is, what does patience feel like in your experience? Um, or maybe you you could word it: How do you know to call patience in? And what is the sort of motivation for calling patients in or maybe it's what supports you in coming into patients how do you enter it how um how do you feel it and where do you feel it something along those lines okay maybe the easiest is what does patients feel like mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and is it also and and when does it arise mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. When does it arise? So what is the feeling of patience uh, in your body? And when does mm -hmm. it arise? Mm -hmm. That's our question for the breakout groups. Please, please do stay. Uh, I'm going to put people now 